millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast, featuring me, Mike Calvin, and two former pros, Adrian Clark, the winger turned tactical analyst, and David Priest, the goalkeeper turned coach and columnist. Pep Guardiola turns 50 today. That's the age by which he said he would be out of management. He's now talking about doubling his current total of just over 700 games in charge. So why the change of heart? His intensity, of course, has become almost a football cliché. Manchester City are a global giant, but Pep has yet to win the Champions League with them. Domestically, they're coming into form at the right time. So, hey, Premier League title favourites? <laughs> well, Manchester City are definitely the best side in the country at the moment. No question about that. Seven clean sheets in nine games since they lost to Spurs. Quite Well, quite meekly, I would say, but... Yeah, since then they've they've been so solid, and 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 gradually, game on game, we've seen a little bit more of the creative Manchester City come to the fore, haven't we? And it sort of culminated in that excellent win against Crystal Palace. Yeah, and and what makes this run of form even more impressive for me is that they're kind of doing it with no striker, Gabriel Jesus, not not been firing at all, Sergio Aguero injured, so they've sort of rotated floating front men and it's and it's worked very very well for them uh, Kevin De Bruyne is on fire so no it's it's looking really good and and I think that that Pep has to be given a little bit of credit here for identifying what needed to be done and that's to focus on the defense and they're a different city this year as a, as a consequence away from home involved in a lot of low scoring games that never used to happen and and part of it Part of the reason I, I'm so impressed is, A, the signing of Ruben Diaz, I think, was was very, very clever. But also re- rehabilitating Cancelo and John Stones, two players that were very much on the fringe last year. Now, two of the first names on, on his team sheet. So, so, yeah, lots and lots of positives for City and they look like the team to beat. Yeah, and that certainly speaks to his flexibility as a coach and a manager, I suppose. You know, David, you and I know football is a business first and foremost, but it does get personal, doesn't it? Do you think we're reading too much into the fact that Liverpool winning the title last season with their history of winning the the Champions League also 
Did that hurt Pep or was it just a sort of professional irritation? I think it just got to a point where we often see it with Pep where the intensity takes over and then the, it, there's a, an overthinking about lineups and, and, and tactics and, and and that sometimes is undoing, you know. And I think what, what all this has done really, you know, they've benefited from the, the whole global situation as well. Just it takes the heat out of everything. It's taken the focus away from the little bit. You know, no fans there. It, 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 it just softened... The, the whole situation, so it brings down his intensity as well. I think I said last last time I was on, the, the, the focus that hasn't been on them, that's been on Chelsea when they were doing well, when Spurs were doing well, when they were tipped for the title, and now Man- Manchester United on the run that they've been on. It's just taken the focus away from them and it's just be, they, they've just been able to carry on. And you're right, uh, you know, Adrian's right about John Stones and Cancelo and Diaz. But also, you know, they've got Fernandinho back in there as well. That gives them a, a much better balance as well. And and they've just been able to just roll on and and do it quietly without any focus, without any fanfare. And, yeah, it's, it, it's quite ominous at the minute, I think. Mm. Kevin De Bruyne, 100 assists now. Hey, do we take him for granted? I don't, well, <laughs> it's a good question. Do we take him for granted? I think, I think we always expect... Big things of him now. Manchester City certainly do. I mean, City, if you look at the way City play, everything goes through Kevin De Bruyne, doesn't it? He, he gets mm. he, he gets fed incessantly and, and Pep Guardiola very, very rarely rests him. He's had one or two little little minor dips over the last 12 months where he's, he's gone off the boil. But but by and large, he's he's one of the most consistent players in recent Premier League history, isn't he? And... and I, would, I just would love to play with him. I mean, he, he would make life so easy for for the forwards around him because of the quality that he delivers. And and yeah, I think he's sneaking up on the rails in terms of if you're looking for footballers of the year. Clearly, Bruno Fernandez is is, is a standout because of of what he's done for Manchester United. Harry Kane, just phenomenal for Spurs. Definitely having his for his best season. Certainly for for many many years, but but just sneaking up on the rails is Kevin De Bruyne. And if City do come with a run to win the title, you you can be sure that he'll he'll be their best player come the end of the season. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, Dave? That you look at Pep and the the one brickback that's thrown at him is always going to be well. What about the Champions League, mate? Well, mm. they could they could even do both this year, couldn't they? Because if you look around Europe, Bayern are, are wobbling a bit. There's not a lot of, of obvious title potential there, is there? No, you're right. And you look up and down the leagues all over Europe, <clears throat> not just at the top level and below that, it, it's affected everybody. You know, divisions are so open this year that it, it leaves a door open for a lot of people. And, and when you've got the strength and the ability that Manchester City have, you know, you don't need much of a gap left open for you, you've, um, you know, to take advantage of it. And I think that's that's what they're doing. You know, they're, they're a model of consistency at the moment and we're not seeing that anywhere else, really. You know, United, in a different way, have, have done it a little bit to get to the top of the league. But it, <clears throat> it's been the hardest thing for people to find while they adjust to, to everything around them at the moment and... And there is a big, I think people did adapt initially really well. And I think at the moment, there's just a, there's a little dip from, from everyone in performance-wise and, and results. And I think they're, they're just the ones that are going to, you know, 
if they, they keep this consciousness up, you can't see anybody stopping them. I think there's a bit of lockdown fatigue just around yeah. around Europe and and players initially, obviously, it was just great to be back and they were excited to be playing again and then there was a short break and they're back at it. And now I just think playing inside the empty stadiums, which is soulless, we know, and, and it, it does, it must feel like training games. It must feel like reserve games to them, even though the eyes of the world are, are watching them and they, and they know that. It, it is flat, isn't it? And, and I think those that have the best motivation and quality, clearly, will, are going to prevail. And, and, and City probably do have more motivation than a team like Liverpool this year, but who, who are champions. That They did it, didn't they? They climbed the mountain last year. City have got a lot to prove this time around. And we know that Pep will be driving and driving and driving. So, so yeah, I, I, as Mike knows, absolutely didn't fancy them in the Champions League sort of <laughs> mini tournament there. And, and, it, and it came to pass that they weren't good enough this time around. If this defense, if this defense stays as solid as it is, they got every chance. But I, I think that's key to it as well. I think everything that, from the beginning of sort of the first lockdown and when, when their football stopped, everything's been distilled down to sort of pure football. You know, there's no motivation for players from crowds. That can also be a positive as well. You know, when when they get on teams' backs, and when it just comes down to pure football. There's only one team that's really going to benefit from that in in the Premier League, and that's, that's Manchester City. Yeah, there was an emptiness on on Sunday at Anfield, wasn't there, Dave? In terms of you know, that has always been one of the great passionate fixtures, and it just you know you used you used the term training game. It had that feel, didn't it? And mm. you know, that's I suppose it's inevitable that you know football's not a game played by robots, is it? It's played by f- flesh and blood. And that's where the impact of this season or the unique nature of this season comes across. With United, they've got Fulham on Wednesday, same day that, that City play Villa. At Craven Cottage, do they need to show greater ambition, do you think? Well, do you know what? I'm a bit torn by this. And I've seen the comments from Jurgen Klopp yesterday, you know, about uh, well, it, it, it's disappointment team have world-class players and they, and they don't... Uh, and they don't attack, they, they just sit in there. It's working for them, you know? And, and maybe, of course, Fulham away is at a different proposition and and they can maybe have a little bit more freedom, but there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know? And if that's working for you, then they can do that. And the way that Manchester United are set up, the way that the makeup of their team is, that front, certainly the front three players you know, sometimes if they're playing Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, they're frightening on the counter-attack. So why wouldn't you use that? You know, it, it's... It, I, I get a little bit upset when <clears throat> when I see the other coaches, you know, it, it, it's a, it's it's not even a veil dig at opposition when they're doing that. <laughs> they're not, not even trying to disguise it. And it, it's kind of say, well, you know, what we're supposed to do, you know? You know, if... You know, if you go to Anfield and you get a nil-nil result, then it, it, it's... I think that was a great result for Manchester United yesterday, you know, in the position that they're in, just to keep them ticking over and not give anything away to to a rival. So, yeah, I think they can just keep on carrying on with what they're doing. Hmm. You spoke about Bruno Fernandes quite understandably, Aid, as, as a potential player of the year. We've spoken on here you know, very recently about potential burnout. Did you see signs of that? 
He, well, he, he's yeah, he is their main man, and if you if you nullify him, you do nullify a lot of what United bring. Yeah, he's bound to be because he he's been relied upon so much, hasn't he? Over the calendar year of twenty twenty, he was just stunning. Just probably the the best player in in English football over that calendar year. Certainly the most relied upon player. And even if it's not a physical thing, it can be a mental thing because knowing that you've got to keep on delivering is is tough and it's impossible quite frankly, for him to, to maintain it every single game. So so look, I've got no no doubt that he's going to, to have many more good games between now and the end of the season. That one was very quiet. On Manchester United, by the way, yeah, I, I do think, obviously it was a great result. I think it was a really good result. I think Liverpool were a little bit there for the taking. For me, Oli got it a little bit wrong with his tactics at Anfield. I, I didn't really think the experiment with Pogba on the right worked. I didn't think that Rashford up top worked. I would have liked to have seen Cavani because he played such a good game the, the previous game. Rashford back out on the left, I think would have been better. And and yeah, I, f- I felt if they had been a touch braver, then then they could have could have got a win there. But I've got a good stat for you. Across the first eight games, this was prior to, to the game at Anfield, they scored 22 goals in eight away games, Manchester United. Ferguson's Manchester United never scored that many across really? the first eight games of the season. And it was actually the, the joint second highest tally after eight away games in Premier League history. So they've been pretty exciting on the road, even though they don't necessarily have that much of the ball. So, so yeah, I, I don't think it's an issue of braveness. I think you've got to pick and choose your games to, to dominate the ball. And, and maybe that one, it, it, well, as the result proved, it's a good result. It was the right ploy. But for me... They could have been better had the team been set up in a slightly different way. Yeah. Dave, you, you work on a daily basis on the training ground. Well, you know, when there's not about four foot of snow in Sweden. <laughs> but um, what about, you know, do you see as a coach, you know, on a, away from the games, that illustration of competitiveness between individual players? Now, I'm, I'm putting this in the context of, of Luke Shaw, who seems to, you know, be in a lot better form at the moment and the threat represented to him by Alex Telles does that you know is that something that we outsiders just talk about oh yeah it's competition for places and is it is that real it certainly is Uh, and I I think it's all down to the depending on the character of the player and and it's one thing that we in this time of all the detail going into to tactics and and philosophies that's what everyone talks about now and Without going a bit uh, dinosaur about it, we, we get we move away from the sort of the, um, the the traditional parts of the game that a manager has to deal with and coaches have to deal with. It's about dealing with people a lot of time, and if you can get the best out of a, a person as a person, their football will flourish, and that's what you can build on. You can build, you know, you build the that's the foundations that you build everything else on. And I think with somebody like with, with Luke Shaw, it's. Up till now, I mean, he, he, he's been a, a big disappointment for the outlay of the money for you know for wages. You know, he spent a lot of time on the in the physio room, which you know is not can be down to him as well, but also you know a bad luck uh, too. So I, I think that you know you've got to look at ways to uh, different ways to motivate players and to get the best out of them, and and that's the it's almost like alchemy football management, you've got to do that with 25, 30 players. 
And, you know, and, and that's the problem, giving each person the right amount of focus, getting the best out of them, do what's right for them without it affecting other people and making sure it gels into everything else. And you're right what you say about the the competition for places, you know, some some people need an arm around the shoulder, some people need a, you know, a fire lit under them. And, it, and, and I think that's the, the you know, Teller's coming in being, being the quality that he is, especially going forward. Luke Shaw now knows that, okay, I, my best trace is attacking, but if I can be a better defender, if I can, you know, make sure that we're keeping clean sheets, then that's what's going to put him in the team ahead of Teller's. Mm. And with, with Jurgen Klopp, his man management skills, I suppose, you know, the softer skills you could call them aid, you know, that, you know, that characterises him. Do you... Do you think, or what do you think he needs to do to fire up this team again? You know, they've got their longest goal drought in 15 years. Front three not firing. The problems at the back are actually destabilising their midfield. There are a whole right range of problems to deal with, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's a very difficult one to answer sort of shortly. So much for him to do at the moment, Jurgen Klopp. I, I think... You underestimate him. I definitely think behind the scenes there will be some stern words said when when needed. And he does need to push these players. I think it was working great, wasn't it, when he had Diogo Jota available because it was motivating the rest of the front three because not always could he fit them into the same starting eleven. So, So they were keeping one another on their toes and that's been lost at the moment. You just think, well, they have to play and they do look... They do look stale. For me, he needs help from the board this month, Jurgen Klopp. Liverpool need to bring in a defender. Not only to, to to plug a big hole that they've got, but to release one of Fabinho or Jordan Henderson into midfield because they're two of the best midfielders in the Premier League and, and it's, it's causing a big problem. It's a big knock-on effect, really, having such a shortage at centre-half. And maybe, just maybe, they're playing with less abandon, less less drive, less fluency, because they know they've got two midfielders at centre-half. You know, so much of what Liverpool do is about the full-backs being gung-ho and playing as wingers. Well, if I was one of those two, or if I was either Robertson or Arnold at the moment, I'd be a little bit reticent because... If I get caught out of position, you, you've got Henderson and Fabinho. It's not Van Dijk and Gomez. So, mm. so I do think that, that, that the core of their issues is at centre-half. And, and they have to get one. They have to bring one in this, this month. I'll tell you what, though, Adrian. I, I wouldn't mind have played, playing behind uh, Fabinho. Yeah. He's yeah, it's been some... I mean, whether, whether he's played there before in the past or it, you know, this has been a, a development that he's, he's made under Liverpool... He just looks so composed. And, and you're right what you say, they, they, they don't want to get caught short, they don't want to be left sort of, you know, you know, Henderson, with Henderson's lack of pace. You know, you're not, he hasn't got the pace of Van Dijk, you know. He maybe hasn't got the positional sense that, you know, a regular centre-half would have. But I, I don't see them being too too troubled at the back. You know, I don't think that's the, the, the real problem. You know, they're getting in, in, in good enough positions. You've seen yesterday with Fabinho... You know, when he, he gets the ball on his left-hand side and he turns back, tries to cut back on Lindelof and go on his right foot, when I think a lot of people, if it's, they get a clear shot of goal, they're going to hit the across uh, De Gea there. 
And it's just th those little things that are just not, I don't know whether it's a lack of confidence or, or, or like you said, that they're just not clicking. And I think in the past, they've got away with it because if it's been one of them that's been doing it, or even if it's been, been two of them that hasn't been doing it, one of them has been sort of flying, you know? Now it seems three are just a, a little bit off the boil. Would you, Preci, would you upgrade Firmino in the summer? Because I think I would. I think sometimes you just have to make a statement decision. And it's a tough one because he's a title winner. He's the glue that sort of knit, knitted that brilliant front three together. But they can do better than Firmino, can't they? As a striker. I mean, yeah, possibly they could, but it's about the opportunity being able to get those strikers in. And especially with it, he's played, the, the role that he's played, not as a traditional striker and it's almost, he's been the foil for the other two. And and, and I think that it depends if you if you bring somebody who's a traditional nine. I mean, you know, people have spoke about Holland, but I mean, of course, everybody wants Holland. You, you, you wouldn't turn him down. But if, you, if you're going into a different type of strike and sign a different type of strike, it does that to change the sort of makeup of the, that front three too much? Or is it just a case of just waiting until he gets back into form again? Yeah, I, I think, you know, with the, the broader point of Liverpool's recruitment, which has been brilliant over the last few years, I always get the impression, I've got the recent impression at least, that they're not being proactive in the market now. And, you know, what's the point of planning for next season or beyond when there's a season to win now? That's what I can't get my head around. Yeah, and, and it is wide open. We've waxed lyrical about Man City, but... Up until the last few weeks, they, they, they weren't sensational, were they? So, so it is a wide-open campaign. And, yeah, it, it does it does surprise me. Obviously, we don't know about their funds and what, what you know how they're going to work out their budgets, Liverpool. I just think that the team needs an injection of something. And, and Thiago was supposed to be that guy, but he's obviously spent most of the season injured so far, bringing in that one stellar name. We're supposed to lift every everybody, and, and and we yet to sort of see that. Yeah, moving forward, I just think sometimes you've got to rip up something that that has been brilliant, and I think that front three at the moment needs <sighs> needs something to change. I, I really do. But right now, they probably don't have the personnel to to make that happen. One thing they are doing at the moment, or certainly they did at uh, Anfield on Sunday, is rely on Allison. You know, do you think he's the best in the world, Dave? Yeah, I, I, really, I really do. And I think there's just, there's just a go back that word consistency again. You know, he's so reliable. And the saves that he's made yesterday, especially the first one, I think it was from, uh, from Fernandez, close range. And it almost like, I mean, that and the, the Pogba one, you can almost say that, okay, it hits, the, but the ball's hits almost at him. So he's, he's just got to, he hasn't got to react too much. But the first one, it could be so easy in that situation to to maybe try and go with your hand or not not be accurate with the, with the, the save with the foot because it comes at him so much pace. And in the situation with Pogba, some goalkeepers try and either, try and guess where the ball's going so they're, they, they're out, you know, they're they're out of position, not staying forward, and and I think, like I said, he's just so reliable in in those positions. You know, it's it's not a case of sort of he's very much the same in one v one situations where he's he's very patient. So it's almost about it's not about him trying to get second guess strikers or trying to you know gamble on things. He very much puts the onus on the striker and, and uh, to to finish the ball and put the pressure on them. 
and that and that's his huge strength and 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 also is just the, the the way that he is his demeanor he's he's got a great personality where he's just so calm and and that has a great influence on the players in front of him yeah just going back to pep guardiola for a second aid you know he went public in saying that he regards graham potter as the best british manager at the moment was he throwing a bit of shade at Brendan Rodgers there? <laughs> yes, uh, he might have been. I don't know. I, I, I just think he maybe sees a little bit of himself in Graham Potter, who's, who's definitely an innovator, someone who's willing to try things and, and come up with unusual formations and, and tinkering and rotation and stuff. I think Potter's just Guardiola's cup of tea. I don't think it was a dig at Brendan Rodgers. I mean, Brendan Rodgers has to be considered the the best British manager in the, in the Premier League. He's doing he? brilliantly, isn't he? Yeah, he, he, he's, he is the best, in my opinion. Obviously, Dean Smith is, is having a fabulous season. I, I love watching his Villa team this year. But but for me, yeah, Rodgers is the top man. But, but Graham Potter, I do see a lot of potential in. It's not really worked for him, but it was, it was a great performance at, at Leeds at the weekend. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think it was a dig. I just think that that he sees him as maybe uh, a little mini Pep. Mm. Let's look at Leicester, Dave, if we could. You know, Rogers, after the win over Southampton, was talking about this team having greater maturity and strength in depth and therefore probably better equipped to prevent the sort of drop-off they had when we had Project Restart. What do you think are the characteristics of this Leicester side and are they capable of staying the course? I think one of the best things they've got is um, a little bit of balance or great balance, actually. At both ends of the pitch, they, they've got solidity in um, in Kasper Schmeichel. They've got the threat of Vardy. They've got a good balance of young players. You know, you've got Fafan that's coming in now. Harvey Barnes, who I think is a terrific player. Great, really composed finish yesterday. And... You know, you've got the likes of Ndidi in, in, in midfield. In it. Full-backs have always been their strength as well the last couple of, a couple of seasons. They've, they've got great quality there. And I, th- I just think that they're, they're a team that's... It's not that they don't have any weaknesses, but it, that balance just gives them... gives other teams less to have a go at, if you know what I mean. You know, that the teams have to be very good on their day to beat Leicester. And, and, and I like the way that Brendan Rodgers... Teams play because you know you said about you know throwing shade on um, on on Brendan Rodgers from from Pep Guardiola. I don't think that was the case at all. I think he probably I think he probably respects Brendan Rodgers a lot. But I think the, the way that his teams play now and they've got a little bit of everything. You know, James Madison, what a finish! And I, I, I think it, James Madison showed great maturity. You know, in his interview after the game when he's talking about him watching finishes from previous Premier League seasons and, and him talking to his dad about it and, and just showing that he thinks about the game. And and even in that moment, you know, in the pressure of Premier League football and, you know, you've got split seconds to make decisions, that he's in that position, he's actually referring back to that in his own mind. And I think that's just showing a great maturity as a, as a player in uh, in James Madison. I, th- I think he's a great lad. I really do. I think he's a good personality. Clearly, yeah, well brought up individual and yeah he's he's a real asset you're bang on by the way with the balance because you've got Vardy Evans Schmeichel the 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 sort of experience down the spine and those players you mentioned I I jotted down their names their uh, ages rather Fafana 20 
Justin, 22, Tielemans, 23, Barnes, 23, Madison, 24, and Didi, 24, Soyuncu, 24. I just think that's like, they're great ages. Mm. I think players between sort of 22 and 28 is your peak years. And then these guys are, are, are athletic, but they're improving and developing with, with each passing game. Uh, yeah. I, and they're working with a really smart coach. So, so yeah, no, it's, it's all, and, and all of these players, Barnes and Madison in particular, particularly Barnes, I guess, and Tielemans, who's still young, they're just better for having a full season behind them in the Premier League. So now they feel like they belong and, and that is making a difference. Mm, they're certainly capable of causing Chelsea quite a bit of bother at the King Power on Tuesday, aren't they, Dave? Yeah, they've, they've got more than enough uh, to to cause Chelsea problems, and I think that's you know Chelsea from the you know the the height of early on the season when people talk about being you know title contenders, they can probably cause themselves a run problem to Chelsea at, at the moment, and, and I, I think a lot of that is, is down to that you know the the, the mix that they, they've got up front. Of course, Mason Mount he's he surprised me in the way that he's. He sort of took a grip of the, this team and sort of he's the one that's, that's pulling through. He's the most consistent out of all of them. But it, it will be a, a great battle. And I, I think, you know, I don't know whether we'll come on to it a bit later on as well. You know, people talking about Frank Lampard's position and perhaps whether Brendan Rodgers could take the reins there. You know, it, it's certainly a, more than a possibility in my eyes because I think when you look at you look at the young managers now, the, the Frank Lampard and Solskjaer and... Of course, they, they they have their ideas, especially Frank Lampard trying to you know implement this four three three and the way that he wants to play it. I, I do feel that the, you know the, the experience that they don't have means that all the things they're trying now they haven't already got ready made solutions in the background for when things don't go right, and you know that's what Brendan Rodgers got all that experience that he's got from coaching at a very early age. You know, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and and, and developing his philosophy and, and the way that his teams play, and being able to come up with these solutions in game, and for me, that's where a lot of managers make their money. They, if you can make decisions in game under pressure, you can see them as soon as they're happening, or you know, from analysts, you trust your analysts up in the stand for them to to sort of come up and tell you what they think's going wrong. You have that relationship with them. That's where you earn your money. And and I think that's going that would be the difference on the day when uh, when Leicester City play Chelsea that that'll be the difference between the two sides. You know, Brendan Rodgers being able to come up with those solutions in game rather than perhaps with Frank Lampard relying on the individual qualities of the players that he's brought in. And of course Jamie Vardy's a very good player and the players that Chelsea have brought in, you probably would say that they're a, a higher quality, but they're certainly not shown at the moment. Yeah, it's also a question of mentality aid. You know, you mentioned Mason Mount, and in many ways he's sort of this generation's version of Frank Lampard as a player. I thought it was significant that he was the only Chelsea player to get into Anthony Robinson's face at Fulham and, you know, let's be honest, help get him sent off. The old Chelsea would have turned up at the scene of that mob-handed, wouldn't they? <laughs> it's quite... Dis disorientating, isn't it, to see such a nice Chelsea? They've always been horrible. They've always been. They've always been such so, so, such nasty gits, haven't they, on the pitch? Um, and 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 this group aren't. But but look, I think I mean David's work works in the game now. It's modern players, isn't it? I think mo a lot of modern players just have a slightly different mentality. They're less interested in that in that kind of thing. 
but yeah, Mason Mount, yeah, he's, he really impresses me. He is he is a bit of a bit of a Frank Lampard type, no doubt about that. I think I think David was right. By the way, let's get it right. Brendan Rodgers is a far superior coach than Frank Lampard at this stage. He might go on and develop over the course of many years, but I think it would take Frank Lampard five years minimum to get to the level of, of Brendan Rodgers. So that that's the difference. So yeah, absolutely, Rodgers is capable of managing Chelsea, but let, let's let's wait and see. I think that Frank's big problem at the moment is he's got too many too much talent in forward areas and no real plan of how to use them. The Werner issue is a big one because Christian Pulisic, for me, was their best player towards the end of last year. And he has to play on the left. He's a left-sided forward. I think he's brilliant there. Stick him on the right. He's not as effective. And you've got Ziyech who, who can who can play there. So, uh, And he clearly doesn't really want to try Werner as a lone centre-forward. He's, he's rotating Giroud and Abraham. So that's his big signing, not in the team. Havertz, big signing, not in the team. It's a little bit embarrassing, isn't it, for Chelsea? So, so he's got... He's got an embarrassment of riches, but he doesn't really know how to get the best of them. It makes me wonder, would he be better being bolder and maybe going with two up front moving forwards, possibly a 4-4-2 with Werner alongside Giroud, Pulisic and Ziyech either side. And that would mean using Mount as an orthodox midfielder alongside Conte or Jorginho or Kovacic. So, so that would be a really bold move, but it might unlock Chelsea because at the moment it's not right. Yeah, how how worried should Chelsea be about Werner, Dave? You know that one on one, the way he missed that was was shades of Fernando Torres, wasn't it? I know he's only young, and it's natural you should think probably too much instead of doing what comes naturally. But you know we'll come very soon to a breaking point with him, won't we? I think the big. I mean, you, you mentioned that incident the other day. It, it's not just because of that. You know, it, it, there's a catalogue now of, of these types of misses. And you don't have to be inside that Chelsea dressing room to realise that he's feeling the pressure. As a coach, sometimes there's nothing worse than seeing a player who beats himself up over missed opportunities. You know, you go back to the great finishes like Andy Cole, where he'd miss a chance and his face wouldn't change. You know, he'd be stony face and he'd just turn back and then he'd wait for the next one and then he'd wait for the next one. And <clears throat> of course, his team of is still young. But I think it also goes back, the, the problem with him also goes back to the inexperience of the manager as well. I think, you know, if you're someone like a Jurgen Klopp who will bring in a player and even if he, in training he, he sees that it's not working, he won't put him in. You know, we've seen that with Fabinho. It took Fabinho six months to, before he got a game, really. If he wasn't ready to come into the team, then the manager trusts himself to think that it is decision that he's not going to be swayed by any transfer fee, any opinion from above that he's, he's got to be put in, into the team. And just take him out of the limelight. Take him out there and put somebody in here who's going to be who's going to benefit your team rather than just being stubborn about it and think, oh, it'll happen eventually, it'll happen eventually. It might not. No, and he's lucky in a way, isn't he, Fernand? There are no fans. He can't hear the the groans. Mm. Um, I looked at the stats. I've been on the the hotline to to my pals at Opta and looked at big chances. What what they label as big chances, and he's actually missed three fewer big chances than Patrick Bamford. But no one no one's worried about that because Bamford is, is, has scored so many more goals. I, I mean, he's only got four, hasn't he? In sixteen starts. 
Werner. But nine big chances missed if you're Chelsea centre forward. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's too many if your goal tally is four. If you miss nine, but you're on 10 goals, no one cares. So, yeah, it's the confidence issues is, is a factor with him for sure at the moment. And, and again, I do agree with David. I think Lampard is learning on the job. It's the first time really he's got to handle a big ego, big name striker who's having a confidence crisis. He's never had to do it. And, you know, hopefully he'll get it right from, from Chelsea's point of view. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Someone like Jose Mourinho, who's been there, got the T-shirt, sold it, and then got another one. <laughs> you know, you've got Undumbele there, where he had his, he did his first full 90 minutes on Sunday for the first time in over a year. He's thrived on tough love. Sometimes you've got to be a bit brutal, a bit cruel to be kind, haven't you, in football management, Dave? Yeah, and again, it's all about the personalities, and that's where the you know, a lot of coaching, coaching goes as many coaching courses as you want, and take as many qualifications as you want. But being able to deal with people one on one and being able to to see what exactly what they need, you know, that's something that you learn over over time. You know, some people might be natural at it, of course, but you know, that's what the experience gives you. You know, you you might see something in a player that you've had than a player you've had previously. You can see how you handle them. If you didn't handle them right, you maybe take a different approach this time. And of course, it's it might be more or less the Jose Mourinho sort of blueprint to handle players, just to give them tough love and just to see how they react. And if they don't react well, then it's you're not for me, you know. Daily Alley. time, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a prime example, you know. And and all it, what he's got to do is, you know, when these players, he's given the tough love and then maybe they don't respond well to it. Then he's got a big catalogue of players, which he's done this to before and say, look, these are the players I've handled before. These are the players, what I did with them. And then this is how they have progressed and this is how their careers went, you know. So it, he puts it back on the player and it's it's almost their choice. You know, do you, you know, straightforward question, you know, do you want to succeed here or not? Do you have the desire and everything you need to be a, a, a player at the top level? Because at the end of the day, playing at the very top, it, it's, you know, everything around it can be brutal. You know, the criticism, the, the response of your teammates, if you're not performing well and you're still being put on the side, there's pressure from them. Rio Ferdinand was talking last week about players that came in uh, United and if they weren't performing well on training, he'd be like that. You know, I don't want to know you now. You know, I'd, you, you're not helping us here. And it, he was brutal about it. But that's the pressures that are uh, uh, put on players at, at that level. And you, you, you do have to deal with it. And it's, of course, we, we live in a more forgiving world now. And rightly so, managers and coaches are much more understanding. But you still have to be prepared for that level of scrutiny and criticism. And, and if you're not doing it, then, you know, People aren't going to give you a lot of leeway, and they're not going to be as forgiving. Yeah, can can players simply become unfashionable? Age, you know, Deli Ali again, another case in point. There, he's clearly not a Mourinho type. I'm quite surprised another Premier League club hasn't come in for him. Although whether Spurs would sell, you know, to a potential rival probably is a moot point. Do you think it's best for all concerned that that Pochettino takes him on loan to PSG? Well, it would. It- it seems the obviously obvious fit because Pochettino did get the best out of Dele Alli and he clear, they clearly work well together. And, and Dele Alli hasn't become a, a poor player overnight. I, I think that Jose is 
he's got that, that that sort of focus on winning mentality and being a little bit nasty and 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 yeah he he wants his players to be tough and I think he's just seen in Deli Ali someone that's maybe just too chilled out for him too laid back obviously we've seen as a young player Deli Ali can be very aggressive on the pitch he can you know he, he could he can look after himself but but personality wise I just don't think he's he's Mourinho's type and and clearly it could work at PSG with with Pochettino going back to Ndombele very quickly I think that Jose Mourinho has undoubtedly brought him on but without Huyberg I don't think Ndombele would be thriving in the way that he is because he doesn't have to he doesn't have to get back and and, and do that legs and donkey work which which he struggled so badly with before he's he's kind of got that freedom now but yeah for Deli Ali not many options really in, in in terms of Premier League clubs you'd imagine so yeah PSG I can see it happening yeah well he does probably need a change of scenery one player who has got that change Meza Ozil I'll come on to you a bit later, Aid, for for your um, inside view of that. But, Dave, from your point of view, and you spoke about the sensitivity of dressing rooms, if you were in the same dressing room as Ozil over the past, you know, 12, 15, 18 months, would your view of him being coloured by, you know, his lack of involvement? I mean, for, for one thing... I don't know what his personality is like around the dressing room and around the training ground and and how he will have affected it. Again, it's on an individual sort of basis. You know, it depends how they've approached things in the um, in that situation. From the outside and and just from a personal perspective, I mean, I'm I'm so happy that he's moved simply because it's now we can get on with talking about other things rather than just <laughs> Mesut Ozil and. Every time they get beat, every time they win, it's you know it, it doesn't matter what happens on the pitch. You know, it's, he's always involved in the conversation somewhere. And there's probably a lot of journalists out there who start to see him go because it means they've got to fill the column inches with something else now. <laughs> but it it is it's it's a real strange one, and I, I think that he's been there a long time. He's formed forged a lot of friendships with with players in there, and I think there'll probably be a lot of sympathy given to him in that situation. Because they'll probably be able to see how, you know, the the qualities that he had and what he could give to the group, even if it's from the bench, you know. Somebody of his quality has to be involved somewhere along the line. And it, it for, for me, it just seems obscene and ridiculous that he is not included in the match day squad this season. Not just given the wages that he's on, but because of his obvious talent. And like I said before, it goes back to how he's conducting himself around the training ground. If he's given off an attitude where, or I don't really care, or that he he always sort of bears grudges to the people above him that are making these decisions, then there can be a bit of animosity towards him. But generally, I would always say that the players would, and most often not, the players would would side on on the the side of Mesut Ozil, and they would probably join in the criticism of the people above. Yeah, well, every every club, eh, doesn't it, have have its own bomb squad? You know, that's just a you know a matter of of, of sort of football circumstance. I've been part of a few. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously you're close to Arsenal. He, he's gone to Fenerbahce. I know we're beyond all this now, but you know, my view of it is what a waste. How do you remember him? It, it in two parts, really. I, I think. 
just one of the one of the the most pleasing players to to watch on a regular basis that I've seen in in recent times play for Arsenal. He, he was so silky, glides across the turf, turf is th- through balls, that crazy bouncing finish that he he seemed to invent. Moments like that is how I remember Mesut Ozil, the good the good days. And when he was hot, he was absolute pleasure to watch. But and this is where the frustration of not just Mikel Arteta, but previous managers as well. But on away games, when the going got tough, when it wasn't easy, when he couldn't you know, get onto the ball in the areas that he wanted to, did he work hard enough to influence games? Did he take matches by the scruff of the neck? And, and the answer is not, not often enough, really. So, so there are two sides to Mesut Ozil. I think he is a luxury player. And... and Clearly, Mikel Arteta has, has decided that that he cannot afford to carry a luxury player, and he's made a tough call. Mikel Arteta, he played with him as Urzel when he was arguably at his best. He knows how good he is, so it wouldn't have been an easy choice for him. But he's looking at the the bigger picture. So look, it's 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 best for all concerned. It really is that Mesut moves on. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll miss his supportive tweets. Obviously, you know, <laughs> mid-game, for, for, <laughs> you know, there'll be a big I, loss. I think, but... I think you draw comparisons with with Özil and, and Deli Ali simply because, you know, when you look at the the managers that are top of the game now, you know, Klopp, Pep Guardiola, and even his manager at Arsenal, Miguel Arteta. Because of football, the way that it's structured now. And it relies on people being reliable in, in inside those structures with and without the ball. We've gone away from having this, this number 10 player. You know, you, you don't see classic number 10s anymore. They have to fit in the system in, in another way. There's no, there's no way to, to afford a luxury player in that, you know, unless you're delivering on the levels of a, of a messy Perhaps even Kevin De Bruyne, your 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 stats and your and what you deliver to the team has to make up for that lack of discipline, that lack of involvement in the structure that's needed in it the, in the, within these managers' philosophies. Yeah. Mike, Mike, when yeah, and you'll know this, Priest. The when a manager loses trust in a player, it's quite hard to get that back. Oh no, exactly, yeah, and it's it's trust in being able to rely on them to to stay disciplined. And, and loyal to what the manager's trying to do. And, I mean, if, if one thing you can accuse Deli Ali of, you know, if, when we see him in the in, in documentary, of possibly being a little bit immature. And and if he if that translates into his game as well, then the manager just won't rely on him. And and again, you know, watching Deli Ali, you know, before I went up to Sweden, I got to watch Spurs quite a lot. And... With the ball and when they, you know, when they were breaking with the ball, he find up some good positions and you know that's when he, he he was the threat. Without the ball, you know, what type of players he without the ball? Probably a, a bit of a liability sometimes, and we saw that sometimes with with, with Mesut Özil. And the problems weren't just Mesut Özil. The, you know, the problems that were developing under Arsene Wenger and then later on, you know, we could see it was coming from elsewhere as well. But because they weren't more obvious than Mesut Ozil was getting. He was getting lumped with the, with the blame sometimes because of his language style. And he, in he maybe wasn't the most energetic when it comes to defending. So it, it's yeah, it, it's a case of a victim of circumstance as well as as well as what he was given on the pitch as well. Mm. So much is concentrated on the manager, isn't it? 
aid. Let's talk about that in the context of, of the relegation issue. You can't move at the moment for dead cats bouncing, can you? You know, you've got Fulham improving, a critical win for Brighton at Leeds, whose traditional slump seems well underway. The, one of the key fixtures this week, or midweek, Sam Allardyce going back to West Ham with West Brom on Tuesday. Do you think they're capable of sustaining the intensity they showed against Wolves? I don't think they're capable of staying up, if, if truth be told. He's going to have to sign some seriously good good players this month to keep them up, in my view, because of the, the, the quality at the back. You know, the back four isn't Premier League level, unfortunately. It was a great result and, and they deserve credit for, for bouncing back from some really, really difficult experiences. So, so credit... To, to the players and also to Big Sam. He brought Pereira back in, uh, Grzycki as well. I think this is a tough game for them. I, I think West Ham are strong this season. I really, really like the way that Moyes has, has sort of rejuvenated his managerial career. He's, he's made some brilliant decisions over the last 12 months, David Moyes, and, he, and he's built a very, very solid team. I just, I don't see, I can't see West Ham getting beaten by, by by West Brom. I really can't. So I think I think it's going to be tough, tough for them to survive. Yeah, but, you know, Big Sam's got his style, if it can be called a style. When you look at that, uh, Dave, how long does it take for something like that, which is a very distinctive way of playing, to actually be put across on a training ground? It's not an instant thing, is it? No, it's not. And, and I think more than anything, we keep going back to this, it's, it's the mentality of the players, you know, it, it can be perceived that this is the easiest way to set up a team, you know, making sure that they're compact, that they're disciplined in their, their distances between each other, that they, they can play deep and just defend the box as they did against Liverpool. But on top of that, there needs to be a special mentality where they buy into it that makes sure that the effort is there for the full 90 minutes. And it's interesting what you're saying about can they keep that intensity up? This isn't just, I don't, I don't know, it, you know, there's more than oh, there's half a season left to go, and that's a, a long time now to keep up that type of intensity, especially when everything's in a negative context. You know, it, we we talk about Liverpool and and Leeds under Bielsa. You know, when Klopp first came, we talked about the 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 burnout the same way we do with Bielsa, and, and the way that they they in, play in an intense fashion and. And they and they can expend a lot of energy, and then they can they can burn out. That's okay if you're winning games and you're on the front foot and you're attacking, and 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 a lot of it is positive, and you get a lot of positivity from it. It's so much harder to do that in from in a defensive way, and to be able to to keep going and going. It's a lot more energy sapping, I think, when you're you know you're just defending and you, and you haven't to rely on that uh, sort of. The concentration levels, they're so much more energy sapping than, uh, like I said, with the, with the other two sides. So there's a long way to go and you're right. I think it's a, maybe they can do it for this week and the, and the week's coming up. But then once you start getting to the edge of the end of the season, the pressure's starting to tell. It's going to be difficult. It was a back four, Mike, or it was a team built to play out from the back in the Championship. So, so, so David's bang on. It's, it, what they've been asked to do now is completely alien to what Billich was teaching them. And are they up for it? He, he probably does need a little bit like Fulham, new new rearguard. Mm. Let's end if we could by looking at you know the newest manager on the block, Wayne Rooney. You might have heard of him. 
Is he destined, do you think, to be one of the best managers of his generation? I'm, I'm going for a yes, though I've got some reservations about Derby's situation. What about you two, Aid? Oh, that's a big call, early doors. Look, I, I hope so. I mean, he was such a brilliant player. I'd love to see him thrive as a manager. He's certainly got the, the passion for the game. We know that. He's, he's built up such knowledge, hasn't he? He's worked with so many good players and so many great coaches. So, so he's got all the tools there. I think it's one of the worst places he could be right now to start his managerial career is Derby with a, sort of a bit of a mess, the takeover. Is it happening? Isn't it happening? Players not not being paid. There's a real issue going forward. They, it's been, you know, they just can't seem to score goals, particularly on home turf. So he's got his work cut out. But, but the early signs are really good because when he inherited the job, they were on their knees as a team and he sorted them out defensively in a very short space of time, along with the help of his staff, obviously. And what also impressed me about Rooney was that Liam Rossini was absolutely gagging for the job. He was <laughs> he was doing interviews left, right and centre, talking about his dreams of management. And he kept quiet, Wayne Rooney, and he got on with it and he and he, he got the opportunity and he delivered but he also kept Liam on side and Liam's been signed up full-time to be his assistant. He, he stayed calm. And I think that is a really good sign in terms of the way he knows how to handle people. So, so yeah, man management-wise, I think he'll be fine. My only, the one, the one issue outside of in-game management, which as we've discussed with Frank Lampard, no one knows until they're in that hot seat on the in the technical area having to make the big calls. No one knows whether they're, they're good enough or not. We don't know about Wayne Rooney yet. It's communication. I don't know Wayne personally. It just doesn't come across, does he, in the media as being an inspirational communicator. If he can nail that side of it and the in-game management, then he's got a chance, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, I've been very impressed with the columns that he's been doing in the Sunday Times, which obviously is a completely different world. But what do you think, um, David, You know, in terms of an instinct, do you think he's got it? It's a very hard question to, uh, to to answer that. And I think what Adrian's saying about communication, the way that he, he puts things over, sometimes simplicity is key. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, you won't find him trying to uh, bamboozle the players with, with terminology and, and with, you know, tr clever phrases and, and things like that. And that might be key with it. And with with managers who go straight straight from the playing crease into there especially when they're going from the dressing room uh, into management that he knows the players he's still got that level of understanding about what it's like to be a player you know he, you know he's not going to quickly forget, I mean sometimes we do quickly forget that we were players and we we lose that bit of understanding but he won't do that certainly not this season and and that would be great one thing I I don't want anybody to really to dress this up as if he's if he's somehow starting at the bottom and that, you know, that this is like, he's not going into a top job straight away. Some people try to, to dress up with Frank Lampard that he was, you know, that he was cutting his teeth at a, at a lower level. <sighs> yeah, of course it's a lower level, but it's a, a club with a 35,000 stadium and he's on a million pound a year. This is not starting at the, the on the bottom rung by any means. And I think that uh, it is going to be interesting to see how, see how he develops his style and, not only that, I mean, I don't know whether he'll bring somebody in with a bit of experience 
he's he's probably got the ear of a lot of people who've got a lot of experience. Well, he's got St- Steve McLaren's there, and I think oh, that I think course, that, yes, I think of course, I think yes, that, sorry about that I think that's well, he'll huge. Be him heavily because yeah. as a staff they're very inexperienced. You know, of course they've all got a wealth of experience uh, himself and Shea Givens there as well. They've got a lot of experience from their playing careers, but coaching wise they haven't got a lot as well. So they lean on him a lot. Mm, I think we've got to look at it, haven't we? That Wayne Rooney grew up in public. He made his mistakes, took his lumps. Goal-scoring records for both club and country really tell only part of his story. He's learned from the best in Sir Alex Ferguson, and his belief in youth, I thought, was reflected by Rooney's first big decision to make 19-year-old Jason Knight his captain. You know, as I said earlier, my concern is the volatility of Derby as a club. But all things being equal, I think he's got a good chance of flying. Good luck to him. Um, do you agree? Please let me know. In the meantime, uh, thanks to David and Adrian and to you for listening to the Football Writers Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.